How ready on a scale of one to ten? Um, I am extremely ready on a scale of one to ten. <laughs> Is that on the on the scale? Yeah, yeah. Oh, what scale are you talking about? Well, I'm talking about this. Well, there's a couple of scales. Kilos or we no, talking, no, no, no. Metronomes. Metronomes. Pesos. Metronomes. Yeah, yeah, pesos. Oh, yeah. Right, right. So you're 11. Um, I'm about 350 pesos out of uh, <laughs> out of a 665 taco order. Oh, order. Yeah. Okay. I mean, so you you're, you're ready. You're not. Uh, you're not. You're not. Well, I mean, you're almost there. Um, un orden de taco de pastor. Yeah, I don't yeah. know what that means, but anyway, we'll kick this off. Yes. <laughs> All right, are we on? Yeah, we're on. Oh. We're on. Oh, we are. You are. <laughs> you're so, should we bring everyone up to date with why you've been giving me so much shit about my grammar? Your grammar? Why? Because you can't, you see what it's like. I've my life. He's <laughs> there. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, God. We're in Mexico, guys. Yep, we are. We are in. CC Espanol Le Pequito Penis Town. You sound really, really loud. <laughs> yeah, that was the I'm fucking, that was the hardest penis I've had in my ears in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> True story. I'm coming in red hot here. Um, yeah, I'm coming in red hot. So, uh, yes, we are in Mexico. Yeah, we're in. Where are we? Well, where are we now? Playa uh, Play del Carmen. Mm-hmm. Playa del Carmen. Mm. Carmen Be- San Diego. The Beach of Carmen. Beach of Carmen. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is that what Playa means? Yeah, Playa's Beach. Uh, okay, I thought all the boys. Player in uh, in Cummins, you know they get the ah, uh, getting the mutts waxed. They get the mutts waxed. <laughs> they get the mutt shaved. Come out. So uh, this show is Andy Armstrong, guys. Tommy yeah. Tommy uh, knocked up this uh, this guest. Yeah. Um, out of no- Whoa, that was well, so uh, loud. That's well, really really is it loud. Really coming in red hot. <laughs> I'm coming in hot. Uh, well, got, maybe my uh, yeah, my levels are all over the place. <laughs> Anyway, Fucking I'll keep talking Jesus while you're with, tough uh, time over here. fiddling with my buttons. <laughs> I, uh, I knocked this guest up and um, we'll probably be seeing him in nine months and we'll, uh, we'll, see, uh, we'll see what the go is there. You have he a, bald, a bald, bald little uh, half English, half Australian baby. Yeah, it's going to be um, a very... It's going to be... Imagine if me and Andy Armstrong had a kid. Mm. What, what would, how do you reckon it would look? Um, it would look rather... Gross. Gormless. Yeah, it would gormless. Gormless yeah. would be the, pro- the proper word, I'd say. It yeah. would come out bald and stay bald. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. <laughs> Look, let's, let's be honest, didn't have much hair on his head, the old Andy. That's right. And I don't have much hair on the mutts. <laughs> so, yeah, it'd be weird. It'd be weird. <laughs> but, you know, it'd be all right. Relatively yeah. good sense of humour and a stunt coordinator. Yeah. A relatively humorous stunt coordinator. <laughs> That's great. Oh, oh shit. look, uh, congratulations. Uh, congratulations, man and man. You've, um, you've man got a really, man. a really healthy uh, eight-pound, relatively funny, young stunt coordinator. And it looks like, yeah, I don't know how you did it with two penises and two testicles, four testicles, but uh, you, you made it. Hummels. He's bald all over. Never have hair. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Andy. Andy if anyone's in the show, he's going to hate Andy's you. Andy's getting put right the grill here. Yeah. Anyway, poor uh, bastard. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Andy Shit. Armstrong is a stunt coordinator. Tommy um, Tommy knocked up this show last minute. Um, last minute when we were going through last LA. Chess. We actually, uh, we actually um, got a nice little lift out there. Mm. And uh, who, who from? Um, from the baby mama. That's right. The mama Sita. <laughs> and... Uh, and She'll be listening in. She will be listening in. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, we actually went through a whole bunch of, um, what, what would you call them? Technical difficulties. Oh, God. Except they weren't difficulties. They were like technical. Tickleties. Fucking just total fuck ups. What do you mean? Didn't you say tickleties? No, I said technical difficulties. I don't know. We'll have to play this. Mate, I might be wrong. I might be wrong. But Andy was nice enough to put up with our shit. 100%. We used a different computer because I left mine in the hotel after a couple of... Is in the uh, straight up the Hummel the night before, and uh, 
And so Andy was lovely enough to have us in his home and um, put up with our shit for about 20 minutes before we get the show going. And he didn't warm up to us oh. for the first probably 10 minutes, did nah, he? So he was not around nah, us. Nah, so if you guys get the vibe that the, in the first 10 minutes that this show is going to be the kaputs, yeah. then hang in there because it ends up being quite not a... Not the kaputs. Yeah, yeah. It ends it, up being the kaputs. Ends up being a great show. Yeah, so, it's good. He's a um, legend. He's a legend. He's a straight leg end. He's a straight Luchan. Lu- <laughs> <laughs> um, but... So, are we going to have any sponsors on the show or you want to just go drink some beers? Should we go? Yeah, we'll, we'll just get some Dossie Keys. We yeah. should be drinking beers right now. I know. Fuck the sponsors. There's a lot of Hockenna over there. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Right. So, without further ado, we give to you, Andy Armstrong. Now, before we do this, let's go over the ground rules. Rule number one. No touching of the hair or face. Jeez, what an absolute uh, mix-up that was. <laughs> Guys, uh, welcome back to Adventure Radio. We've just had a... Uh, I, I can't hear you through here, though. Oh, yeah, that's all right. We can... <laughs> so, uh, we'll, we'll just, after everything that's happened, mate, we'll, we'll just keep recording. Is, and, it uh, just, is it just a mic? Yeah, it's just no, a mic. it's just so a mic, because we'll, I don't um, have to wear the headphones. Yeah, we'll let... Okay. Um, should we start again, or keep the viewers in on no, this? No, 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 that's all right. We've, uh, we've right. been off to a rough start here with yeah. Andy. We've, um, we've rocked up... Uh, I read the GPS wrong. Yeah. We arrived 45 minutes late, and then we set our stuff up yeah. for maybe an hour. So, basically, we are... Other than that, though, it went like perfect. It went really well, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Other, um, than, uh, other than everything that happened, it's yeah, going well. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we're currently uh, we're currently two hours and twenty eight minutes over time what we should have normally been. So right. we should have already done seventeen shows by now, but right, we it's haven't. Good. So sorry, Andy. <laughs> oh well. For uh, yeah. So everybody, welcome back to uh, the radio. Um, Tommy's decided to host. Uh, I'm just host. Sorry. <laughs> just Tommy's not the host. I'm, I'm, really I'm so happy about I'm after getting really, all that right. Really weird. I feel like I've been demoted after <laughs> yeah. the GPS. Yeah. That's right. Eddie, why don't you uh, give us a quick uh, rundown of who you are and what it is that you do? I'm uh, Andy Armstrong. I'm a, um, an action stunt coordinator for movies and have been for the last uh, 45 years. So, um, yeah, started off in England and uh, have worked all over the world, but have ba- been based out of California for the last uh, 25 years. Awesome. So what? Okay, coming into uh, coming into a career like this, it has to obviously start somewhere. And what was it for you that got you into the world of stunt coordinating? Uh, like, uh, like most people that are that that, are, that have a successful stunt career, oddly enough, we're sort of failures of a, usually of some other career. Mm. Uh, I was a I was a motorcycle racer and, uh, and a car racer, mm. and um, although I'd uh, presume that that would be my career since I was a very small kid, you know, since I first ever saw anything with a wheel on it. Um, it only, um, a couple of things dawned on me when I was a sort of a teenager that, that, that one was all the successful car racers that I knew came from very rich backgrounds, which mm. I, which I didn't. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
that hadn't occurred to me as a young kid. Um, and so I sort of, I, I did a sort of transfer to motorcycles and competed in trials and off-road endurance events. Um, but it became very evident fairly quickly, although I had a, quite a long career on motorcycles, that I was never going to be uh, super successful or certainly super rich out of it. Yeah. And so uh, just about the time that I started to realize that maybe uh, this was not going to be uh, my path to uh, riches. Um, <laughs> the, my brother, who was a, is a stunt coordinator and uh, action director, was doing a show in the south of France and uh, happened to need a, uh, a guy to, to double Sir John Mills to uh, lay down a, a BMW motorcycle mm. as a police officer. And uh, so I went out to France to do it and uh, had, a, had one of those fantastic light bulb moments where I realized that I could earn a lot more money crashing a motorcycle <laughs> than I ever could failing, failing to win a, a race on one. So uh, for me, it was, a, it was a real sort of watershed moment. Right. And uh, that started a... A stunt career that's you know lasted almost half a century. Mm. Wow! And just back onto the the motorcycle stuff. Is that because you said that if you're not coming from kind of like a wealthy upbringing, it's a lot harder to well, make? Is that because you need to put so much time into the actual no uh, racing motor, and like motorcycles? People came from poorer backgrounds, but they had they had one other ingredient that I didn't have, which was huge talent. Right. <laughs> so um, you just conveniently left that part out. Yeah, exactly. I mean, um, you know, there were people that came from working class backgrounds that did very well with motorcycles, uh, you know, and I could have probably s- struggled around and, and sort of made a, uh, a starving living at it. Yeah. But the, the rich background really came, uh, you know, was the real, um, sort of domain of of car races, mm-hmm. nearly all the successful car races that I that I'd heard of or knew in Europe um, had come from wealthy backgrounds, mm. and so although I I even in well into my stunt career and even occasionally now I still race cars, um, it was uh, it was never going to be something that I could uh, afford to do you know, 52 weeks a year, and it was something yeah. that I wouldn't make a living doing. So, uh, right. and I actually enjoy it much more now that it's a recreational thing. Yeah, yeah, cool. So, so where did you grow up anyway, Andy? Like, this is all happening in which in part England. of in, 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 in the England? South of England, yeah. Right, and then when you started doing, so you went over there for, you said you... I, I went to France with uh, to, to work for my brother as a stunt double for Sir John Mills uh, and did the motorcycle uh, stunts, and I also... Uh, did some car driving on the show, and then I had um, then I realised that in those days there was very very few people that just specialised in vehicles, mm-hmm. um, and so I I felt that there was much more um, much more possibilities for me going into the production side of filmmaking. So I became an assistant director, right? And I had a very very successful career as an assistant director. In fact, it was the youngest first AD doing big movies in the mm-hmm. world and I, purely by luck really I, I worked with some sort of legendary directors Don Siegel and P.D. Yates and uh, uh, John Borman and a lot of a lot of people all over the world and so mm-hmm. I had a, a a very successful career as an assistant director and then I 
I, I started directing action sequences. One of the first big shows that I directed the action on was, uh, was the first Highlander movie. Right. Um, and that started a whole second half of my career, really, where I, where I was a, a you know, pretty well-known action director. Mm-hmm. And so I went all over the world directing action sequences. And, and then it was, it was really when I moved permanently to, the, to the California that uh, my career went sort of full circle and I went back to coordinating stunts because I, often I would be brought in to direct an action sequence and, and would sort of inherit a, a stunt coordinator who was designing that action sequence and often I didn't, you know, I felt I could do better stuff mm-hmm. so I, I started stunt coordinating and so my career went full circle and I went mm. back to doing stunts. Right. So... When you, were, uh, when you were starting out, how much of this stuff were you doing hands-on? Did you learn the craft by doing it yourself? Like you said that you, you went into assistant directing pretty early, but were you like, were you the stunt guy for five years there, ten years no, there? No, I, I was or? literally, I was a stunt guy for a very short time at first, and then I became an assistant director. Right. And because I had a, um, a knowledge of vehicles, and I'd also studied some martial arts, and I'd, I'd done some other things, so there was... I, I I naturally was sort of gravitated towards action sequences, mm-hmm. um, and that also led to me directing action sequences. Um, and then from there, as I say, it went full circle where I I went back to coordinating them, and um, it was really it, it was kind of self taught in some ways. But I was very lucky that I worked with a lot of people that had come from an action background. So I, I, I sort of picked the brains of a lot of uh, great people. Mm-hmm. And so what are some of the, uh, yeah. what are some of the, like the projects that you said you, early on you got to work with some really um, top end directors. What were the, like, what were the highlights kind of coming through your career that really kicked you off and, you know, got you um, excited? Working, I guess one of the, one of the great, uh, great sort of leg ups I had was working, I, I was doing a Don Siegel movie, Don Siegel directed a movie with Burt Reynolds and Leslie Ann Down and David Niven. Right. Not Just a, very, a few notes. <laughs> yeah, not a, not a very good movie, a picture called uh, Rough Cut. But, um, and it's it's sort of famous for, for not so much for being a great movie or not at all for being a great movie, but because um, Don Siegel who directed, who'd just come off Dirty Harry and, you know, a lot of great movies, he um, uh he was the director on it, and, and Burt Reynolds was the real star, and was at that time the biggest star in the yeah, world. Yeah, yeah, exactly. um, yeah. Tash in the world. Yeah, yeah. good Tash, good Tash. Burt and I became very good friends, and I became very good friends with Don Siegel. And what happened is Don got fired from the movie by a very famous producer called David Merrick. Right. Um, I think I've heard that. And right. he, uh, because of under the Directors Guild of America, you can't fire a director and bring another director in without the the incoming director having some dialogue with the outgoing director. Mm -hmm. And because of that technicality, Burt Reynolds got Don reinstated. So there was a huge political kerfuffle on the picture. Mm -hmm. But because of it, Burt was able to bring his great uh, buddy, Hal Needham, in to direct the action sequence on it. Mm-hmm. So as I was already friendly with, with Don, I said to... I was, I was uh, the second assistant director on that movie, but I went to Don and, I, and to Bert and said, look, if Hal's going to come in and direct the action on this, I want to 
go with him as his assistant director. Mm -hmm. So um, basically because Don and Bert sort of took me under their wing, I was able to go and be the assistant director with with uh, Hal Needham on that action sequence. And, and Hal, right up to his death, was very instrumental in um, supporting my career and helping me along the way. You know, right. it was, In fact, it was one of the great adventures for a, a young guy at that time. I went, we went in a private jet with uh, Burt Reynolds and Hal Needham and myself, and we went to Amsterdam and scouted a load of locations all over all over Holland. You just were scouting locations or were you scouting just, into the now just service? Locations. We, we would scout them in a, in a stretch limousine and pull up and just look at things out the window and drive off somewhere else. It was fantastic. <laughs> That's definitely what I want to do. It was a fantastic adventure. And, and during that time, Bert and Hal would tell me all these incredible stories, you know, so it was a, it was a really Amazing. fantastic time. And Bert's yeah, a fantastic story or two. Oh. I, reckon, I reckon he would have a, he would have a few. Yeah. Yeah, tremendous. <laughs> he would be an amazing person to deal with. Yeah, fantastic. And I still keep in touch with Bert now, funny wow. enough, and I kept in touch with Hal right up until his death. In fact, mm. you know, Hal was one of those people that uh, no matter where I called him from anywhere in the world, he would always call back and he's only... He's only not called me back once, which is, right. you know, when I called and I realised that when he didn't call me back, I knew there was an issue. And, yeah, he and probably had a heap on. No, and that was, a, that was you know, he died. That was, that was the end oh, of it. Oh, that actually was. That was the last one. That, that was the last one. That joke was in poor taste. <laughs> no, no, oh but God, it was no. a funny, funny, funny character. And, yeah, uh, yeah. And a, you know, the last of those sort of legendary, crazy action guys, you know. Yeah. And Bert was a fantastic guy to travel with and to mm. do things with. I mean, he's just a you know, tremendous fun guy. Well, so how, so yeah. how much of this... Um, so when you're... So nowadays you're just directing action sequences for, yeah, the, for the very big I, movies. Mostly right? I design and coordinate them now. I mean, I, I, in a way, I stopped... Uh, it, it, apart from a few very special projects, I stopped directing them and just concentrated on designing and coordinating them right. because um, I found particularly on the very big shows, that there was a, a lot of politics when you were directing a sequence. Um, because often, uh, you know, what happens is a, a big studio picture may pick a, a young director to direct their movie, but has never done any action before. So then mm -hmm. the studio um, sort of issues them with a person like me that has a big background of action. And so you become this weird relationship where you're doing a lot of the fun stuff of the, of the picture mm -hmm. and there's often resentment builds between the main unit director and the second unit director so um, when there was a chance to do to direct the action on the second of the last of the amazing Spider-Mans mm -hmm. I actually turned it down to do to just to stunt coordinate because I, I wanted to I wanted to just concentrate on the sort of technicalities of uh, right of designing the action. So, mm. like, uh, so in that case, you like the architect that's yeah, designing exactly. the house, and then yeah. you just hand it off. Have a, have fun building this, yeah. guys. Yeah, cool. and, it's, and, you yeah. Know, and we designed and built some very special ways for Spider-Man to move and things. So it was a, it was a tremendous thing to to you know it was a it was a huge thing to do it, and mm. and quite honestly to. By the time it comes to direct it, it's uh, a lot of the fun's gone out of it. You yeah, know? yeah. So that's uh, good. So do you? Um, so you just said how you know you're thinking about the ways for Spider-Man to move and all that sort of stuff. Is it just in action sequences, or are you doing things as well like the actual 
uh, a little bit in both to, yeah. actually a little bit in both because um, the funny thing is when we were first approached for the first Amazing Spider-Man to do to you know, up until then Spider-Man all his movement was very computer generated mm. and it was you know very sort of artificial and so I had one of the first meetings with Sony and I said yeah, absolutely we could we could you know make him move more re- realistically and make it more feel more organic yeah um but i must say it was a complete lie when i came out of the meeting i had no idea how, <laughs> how we were going to do it yeah and i i uh i set up a team in a warehouse in la and we we studied ways of of making spider-man move um, but what I did, one of the first things I did was look at the old Spider-Man movies that they'd done, and it didn't it didn't look realistic. But you couldn't immediately say what didn't look realistic about it, and it became very obvious afterwards. And it sounds absolutely elementary, but it's it really wasn't. And in the, I looked at Spider-Man swinging, you know, and he swung down, and then he swung up, and he swung down, and swung up. And it was only when I brought in an Olympic gymnast and put up two parallel bars and saw the gymnast do a, a giant swing and another, another giant mm. swing that it became absolutely obvious what the issue was is that the computer generated Spider-Man moved down and moved to the bottom and then moved up and moved down but it was all at a constant speed mm. when you saw a gymnast do it it's a violent drop he drops and pulls we put a G meter in his pocket and he pulled almost three G's at the bottom and then he and then he went up and up and up until he gets negative yes and then he pulls another bar and drops down yeah. and it was the rate it was the variation in speed that didn't look right yeah so once I knew that then we built mechanical apparatus that we could travel him along and basically we built a, a big long traveler uh, driven by an electric motor that would basically we would drop him from a high height on a pendulum and then as he got almost to the bottom we would accelerate the traveller along a track so that it would go like a whip wow. and it would just be like a crack in a whip and that way we could travel him along the streets of New York see and that's, that's the thing about with movies in, when, you know with the sort of things you do is that that is such a minor detail, but no, I mean, no one would even think of that. But if it's wrong, it's, the, the whole thing will go to I shit. Call, it, it, yeah. it, that's absolutely right. It's what I call the five-legged horse syndrome. If you'd never seen a horse in your life, mm. but you saw one with five legs standing in a field, you know that it's wrong. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and we yeah. as... Jeez, that's a good analogy. We as, as humans are, are, you know, just like any other animal, mm. we can see something that... Even if it isn't doing something that we can do, yes, we know if it's if it's correct with gravity and with nature. That's right. Your eye goes to it. Yeah, yeah. You know? Because you see nature every single day. Yeah, because life, you, you know? see you it just, every day, and yeah. you can. It, it's why. It's why when you. It's very hard. You know, if you're hunting, it's very hard to, to make a. a no matter how well painted it is to make a caricature of a deer and have other deer think it's a deer because yeah, yeah. it doesn't smell like a deer, yeah. it doesn't yeah, move, yeah, yeah. It, doesn't, it doesn't do any of the things that they do. Mm-hmm. And a horse is the same. You know, when we did, when we did Planet of the Apes, we, we had apes on, on horseback and the first horses we bought in had nothing to do with it. But it's, you know, at first the, 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 the producers were thinking it's because the apes 
you know, don't look like real apes, but it isn't that at all. It's the smell, or it's the whole, it's the whole mm. thing of it. You know, you have to get mm. them, you have to get them used to these things being something that they're going to accept in their world. Yeah, right. And it's it, it, we're it's a it's a, a it's an element we have all of our, you know, it's part of our self preservation yep. technique that you and there there are things that that's I'm convinced that's why people you know easily get mugged or get all you know get into trouble in wrong areas because they overlook those natural mm-hmm. those Definitely. natural elements mm-hmm. that are in our brain that are protective uh, you know mm-hmm. they're protective processes mm-hmm. yeah yeah absolutely absolutely I suppose if you've got a movie like you're saying it's such a little tiny minuscule fact but if you've mm-hmm. got a movie that overlooks 10 of those facts oh, the movie it's just gonna, it off, does yeah and you, you know? it's funny is you only got to look over one or two of them and the movie just won't feel right. Yes. You won't yeah. know what it is about yeah. it, but it won't feel right. You yeah, know? there's plenty of movies that I've watched like oh, that where yeah. you're just like, yeah, I don't know. You can't buy right into it because no. you have to be. No, you can't. You, and you have to be fully invested in a movie to, exactly. to be emotionally attached and to be. You do. You have to. The right, it's, you know? it's a. It's a. It's a big reach as well to to ask an audience to be in, invested in in mm, something because definitely. you are. You know. You're, you're already aware that you're looking on a flat plane surface. You're looking on, you know. So it's it's hard to get people into that world anyway. Yeah. And you see it, you see it with bad TV shows where someone's driving and they look across for far too long, you know. And even if you don't think about it, you know they're being towed or they're in a process yeah, straight yeah. or something because you don't you know that you can't drive like that. You can't do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they can't do it. Yeah, that's right. So and have it, you ever worked on a movie where? Like you were saying, you know, these things get overlooked. Where you may have accidentally overlooked it, the movie's come out. You've had a look at it again, and then something's gone oh, wrong. Oh yeah, many, yeah. many movies. Just, yeah. Can you give us an example? Because like that spider one is just such the a specific. Drive, driving is a big, is a big thing. Um, but it happens with me on lots of levels. I can tell if someone can ride a horse or ride a motorcycle long before their ass hits the saddle. <laughs> yes. Because it's the approach, is how they walk up to it. Is is it's which hand they put out first? You know, Definitely. anyone that rides a bike you'll event- invariably see they'll reach with their left hand first first, and put it on a clutch. Yeah. You know? And you'll nearly always get on from the left-hand side. It's mm. a very odd rider that gets off on the other side. And the same with a horse. You know, you can tell if someone walks up, how they walk up to a horse. You can tell if they've ever been around them mm. or not. Mm. Which is what made some of those great old westerns feel so authentic is because people like John Wayne and Clint Eastwood had their own horses and the horse responded to them the way you imagine a horse would that's your horse would yeah. respond yeah, to you. Exactly. you know, it, looks, it looks at him when he speaks and it you know you can see you can see some of those old Wayne movies where they're mm. having a scene on a horseback and the horse is listening to the what's going on, you yeah, know. Yeah, and it's yeah. because it's his horse that he'd have on every western. Really? Same with Clint that's Eastwood. That's incredible. I never, I'm, uh, I never John Wayne yeah. and I, yeah. I, I yeah. my own horse and uh, yeah. that's probably <laughs> the worst John Wayne he's had horses. You know, both of them had horses. Sorry. Steve, Steve McQueen did some great stuff yeah. on horses, but he also obviously did great stuff in a car and on motorcycles. But yeah. he, he looked right doing it because even if he wasn't as good or as fast or as cool as you would like to imagine he is, but you could still tell he had a certain passion for that activity yeah, and, could, and could do it. You know, the way he held the wheel, the way he sat in it, you know. Um, and that's the, those are those little invisible things that are really important in a, sure. in a movie. So um, 
Well, so for everybody at home, we're actually sitting in uh, in Andy's house, which is close to uh, Warner Bros. Uh, can we can I give you the exact address? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, sell it to him. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. And we're sitting in uh, in the stunt coordinator. They kind of look like director chairs, really. I'm sitting in the Spider-Man chair. Sitting in Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah they've believe. all got the names of the movies Ruins on the back. Them, yeah, it's amazing. You got a picture if, if, you, if you can't picture what we're talking about, like yeah. on set. You know, the starring exactly. role, the, the name on the on the chair. It's really cool. Who you got? Who you I've sitting? I've got. In? I thought I had. I think I've got. Have I got London Calling? Oh yeah, that London was which was the original. Working title of, of Spider-Man, actually. Like, it was called London yeah, Calling? Really? Because yeah. I, I didn't know what that was when I first sat no, down. No, and it was, it, was, it was supposed to... London Calling? It Coyne. was supposed to be uh, so that people wouldn't know what it was. But, you know, yeah, when you yeah, turn yeah. up with oh, like six, hidden, 65 hidden vehicles and, yeah, yeah. you know, 200 Spider-Man chairs. Spider-Man yeah. building. Yeah, it's a bit of a giveaway. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So what about... Which ones are your favourites? Um, we know... Uh, which there's some got, in there. Yeah. This, uh, this is a favourite one because it's... Uh, this is... Uh, Moonshine Highway, which is yep. a movie I wrote and produced and directed oh, wow. oh, for, um, for Showtime and Paramount uh, 20 years ago. Right. Excellent. Um, but with styling, starring Carl McLaughlin and Randy Quaid. Cool, um, yeah. But uh, The Green Hornet is in there. That's, yeah, a, that's a movie I a really enjoyed. Ones. Oh, yeah. Green Hornet that's movie. a good one. Oh, yeah, it's a yeah. fun movie. It would have... It unfortunately cost too much because of lots of political issues and stuff on the set, but we did some fun stuff on it. Well, I mean, uh, just to get the aliens down to melt to, to Earth would have been uh, pretty, pretty challenging, I assume. It's, but, uh, uh, getting aliens, aliens down. Down. Yeah, right. Possibly the worst <laughs> gag I've ever made here, but... Uh, yeah, hard to do enough. It, it, it wasn't, it wasn't it's, working. Uh, no, it's... Uh, I don't know what else there is in there. Galaxy Quester is in there. That's got... Oh, yeah. That does yeah. have some aliens. That was a really fun movie to do, so... Hey, what about... Um, Andy, I want to talk about like, um, so say you're creating a bunch of scenes for a movie. Say, say for example, I'm going to use um, Mad Max because mm-hmm. it's the most action-packed action sequences you've I ever seen. I did actually send some people out to do Mad Max as well because the, the stunt coordinator is a sort of friend of mine and yeah, asked, right. asked for some people from here that drove big rigs and things. Yeah, yeah, awesome. So, so say Mad Max and all the crashes and scenes and jumping and people flying out everywhere. Um, so how much of the... The, of what you do when you're building the scenes, how much OH&S goes into it? Like, how much... Is there any time where you can, you're like, all oh, right, we want to send this guy triple backflip, smash against the wall here, he's going to fall down over here, he's going to have this land on him. Like, do you have to exactly, take yeah. into account actual... Like, can we kill someone here? Like, Oh, there's always a like, risk. I mean, someone, that's, like, a, that's a, you know, my big sort of well-known saying is that, you know, you have to really question yourself because if you can only do it once then it's not a stunt you know mm. it's an accident yeah so um that's a very good point the, the trick the, you know the trick is to make things look as dangerous and haphazard as possible mm. and still make them repeatable you know mm. the hardest thing is to is to make something still feel organic because you can, you can rehearse and rehearse and rehearse so you do know exactly where he's going to land and where he's going to bounce and where he's going to do it. But if you're not careful, that can also look Stage. pre-staged oh, and, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and prepped. You yeah, know? Yeah. So you, the, the trick is to make something be as repeatable as possible but as raggedy and, you know seemingly out of control as possible Jeez, that's yeah, a bloody yeah. hard thing to do yeah it's yeah. very very hard it's very very hard it's very hard but again it's something that I, I always feel an action movie should work to people to, to and should play well to a crowd that aren't action necessarily aficionados mm. it, should, it should play well you know one of the big complaints I have with a lot of movies is that fights look tremendously 
rehearsed. Yep. And they look terrible. You know, anyone that's put one of those sort of fights together has never seen a real bar fight. Yeah. You know, because they don't look like that, you know. They look scruffy and they look, mm. you know, people don't... You don't land every punch. You no, don't, you don't land, land every punch. That's yeah, the yeah, big yeah. thing. I mean, you yeah. don't land every punch. I mean, one of the, I had a, one in I had a big... <laughs> I had, and that's it. You know, yeah, if yeah. you look at someone like George Foreman that had a... The grill. Tremendous, <laughs> but tremendous percentage of landing punches, but his still... His ratio is still less than 60%. Yeah. yeah. Which means there's 40% misses. Doing nothing, yeah. And I had, uh, I had a big discussion, which wasn't so much an argument, but it was a really heated discussion with Tom Cruise about it on the firm. It's funny, I did the same thing a couple of days ago. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, it's a good man, Cruise. But, yeah. but he, he just doesn't get it, though, he, does he? He wanted, he wanted to hit... You know, he wanted to hit every time on the person that he was hitting, and... The reality is that isn't, especially if you're in a frenzy, that isn't how it is. You're no. lucky mm. if you land one in ten. Absolutely, yep. And, and uh, you know, if, in reality, if everybody, if everybody landed the punches that you see in sort of Western bar fights, everyone would be dead, you know. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah that's you, you true. You couldn't stand that many hits. And so that's a big thing of mine. I like to try and make things look organic and look real. Does it also depend on the sort of movie you're yeah, working on? Yeah, absolutely. It's got to, it's got to yeah. depend on the... Like on Kill Bill-like. Kill Bill-like. Kill Bill-like. It's just, it's, oh, it takes the piss out of like... That's right. You, yeah. Every, every shot absolutely. is a hit and a knockout and a yeah. rip head off. And, yeah, and, yeah. I, and I think the big thing with every movie, whatever the genre, whatever the type of action, is to make action that's right for that movie. I mean, a lot of, a lot of things that I've... I've been a lot of movies that I've been known well known to do I've actually taken action out of it because there's too much of it right because it's action action's a bit like uh, horror or erotica nudity or anything if you see enough of it you've seen too much you should always be wishing you'd seen a bit more I definitely feel the same way about porn it's it's, it's very it's very very important because anything whether it's whether it's porn, whether it's violence, whether mm. it's horror, if you see enough of it, it's instantly boring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, you, you can never, you must never see enough of it. You must always, always cut out of it before you've seen enough. Because yeah. I, one of the big things I, I do if, I, if I'm in a cinema and I'm watching an, a, a big action movie that, look, that feels like it's going on forever, there's yeah. action that's going on, is I always look around and invariably you'll see people checking messages on phone and talking or whatever else because it gets numbing eventually. Mm. You know, even if you're a, a big car fan or whatever, you can only crash so many things. Yeah. So it just gets, it just gets, the, you, it stops being any threat because there's no, you know, I mean, that's my big fear with some movies now where, you know, cars jump out of planes and through buildings and mm, all sorts of things. X, it just goes X, on, and on, X, and on and on and on and on and on. And you feel, well, there's no risk to anyone because you've just seen them fall thousands of feet, so you the, know they can't get hurt. That makes perfect sense to me, 100%. But how does, Mad, how does, Mad, um, how does Mad Max fit into that? Cap? Oh, I think, I think, Ma- I think Mad Max is very, very good because it's... It still feels it's huge, but it still feels organic. I mean, mm. I had some problems with the storytelling of it, but yeah, yeah. but that's is another thing. Right? Is this Fury, the, uh, Fury yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, because they seem to go. They seem to drive. 
a huge fleet of vehicles using tons of fuel halfway across yeah. the world to get some fuel. They didn't get the fuel and they came back. <laughs> and uh, everyone seemed it's okay. No, but... no one asked any questions. <laughs> no, no, no. Just blow up another car. Yeah, so I, I, just put a bloke playing guitar. <laughs> exactly. No one would care. But I loved yeah. all the crashes and stuff because I thought they felt... Well, they were. You know, a lot of them... Even, even though there were CG elements with them, there was a lot of real... You know, massive carnage, mechanical mm, carnage, mm. and so when it's got to that level, I think it's great because it becomes like a cartoon caricature of it. And it but it's yeah. really well done. I mean, I think I think the action was fantastic in it. Yeah, it was a great I movie. Just, I feel like the the hard thing about all this, I, I feel like Fury Road, although it definitely was good with all that sort of stuff, people wanted to see that because they'd seen yeah. the original Mad Maxes, but. We're, we're getting to the stage now where people have just seen everything. People they've have seen, seen the car changes. They've seen the kids have seen everything. Do you, know? do you think mm. there'll ever be a ceiling that we'll reach where it's like we've just we're yeah. going to have to replay the same? Uh, well, sort I hope of, so. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's a very, very good question. I, I really hope so because I do feel, which is a bit sort of hypocritical for someone that's made a very good living mm. crashing, it's a bl- breaking house, yeah, <laughs> breaking <laughs> stuff for, for years. <laughs> but I do feel. Uh, that it's all it's gone too far really there's too much yep. of it and it gets boring you know yep. I mean it's I don't watch many action movies uh, for, for sort of enjoyment because I find them boring you yeah. know because they're you know there's just so much you know crashing I've seen a lot of movies recently where I don't know what's going on because it's just everything's blowing up and yes. there's stuff everywhere you yes, know exactly. and I, I, I do think that eventually what must happen is you you devalue the action in there because still some of the I do these seminars all over the world um, and talk to film schools and talk to all sorts of action film students and things and it's very interesting because one of the questions I always I always ask is you know what their what their favourite action movies are absolutely and invariably they'll say. Or which is the best car chase and things like that. And invariably, like car chase, they'll bring up is Bullet, which is still fantastic now. It's 1968, it was done. Um, fantastically done, beautifully shot. But it's interesting that that is on everybody's sort of car chase best list. The movie's not an action movie. Yep. It's a thriller. Absolutely. But it has one great action sequence, which is the car chase perfectly placed in the movie and that's why it's so well valued you don't if it was balls to the wall action right from the get go to the end mm. you, that car chase would be forgotten yeah absolutely absolutely it's interesting and it's um it's 17 minutes of the movie that 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 chase yeah. and that's all it is but it's and people Imagine that that's an an action movie. It's really not an action movie. It's a thriller. The rest of it is just a is a tense thriller. Yeah, and it's so. I think it's. um, I think that's. I think that's a very real, uh, you know, very real factor in that uh, a lot of the favourite action moments take place in movies that that don't have a lot of it so mm. that it's a very high value it stands out definitely. yeah it stands out it's like why, um, it's like why when um, Michael Bay got the um, the role to do the new Ninja Turtles movie and yeah. he's like oh, pff, you're just going to blow up some Ninja Turtles now like Michael Bay's yeah. Yeah. for me like the Transformers movies yeah. the first one was alright but they're just too it's much action it's just huge you know? it's, it's, just, yeah. it's just bang crash and everything I do love that but uh, yeah you're no, right you need to have those ups and downs yeah I watch you know I read all the, all the sort of blurb on the internet and there's people really looking forward to the next Fast and Furious and a lot of friends of mine did the did the movie I mean I yeah. I, I must say the one of them two or three ago 
it took me about five sittings to get through it because I, I, I had no idea what was going on. It's yeah, just, yeah. just, just every time I put it in, the, the disc there was more stuff crashing and going off, and there's Vin Diesel wandering around. I, I don't know what's going on in it, you know. And and I felt the same about the Transformers movies, yeah, you know. Yeah. And I felt that the tragedy of the Transformers, I think one or two ago, is that there was a ton of visual effects going on, and in amongst that visual effects was. And only know about it because I know the the people that did it. But there was five real wingsuit guys that flew through the buildings in um, you know down the street really? in Chicago. Right. But so there's like, so like the CGI suits on or whatever to, to, to track and build the. No, they the, really flew it. They, on I didn't actually see the movie. I didn't actually see yeah, the they, movie. They really oh. flew in the movie, but oh, the, right, but, gotcha. the back, but the background's been so altered and changed yeah. that they. For me, it completely devalued the incredible action that they did for yeah, real yeah. because there's lots of sort of cartoon stuff blowing up around them. And yeah, so yeah. It, it could have been, you could have put them in in post-production, really. You know? yeah, yeah. That's insane, isn't it? Yeah, and it's incredible because yeah. they're really talented guys. They're the best wingsuit guys, uh, uh, um, JT Holmes and a couple of... Uh, JT he, Holmes. JT Holmes. He's a um, Red Bull wingsuit guy. Yeah. Red oh, Red that dude. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, a very... Yeah, yeah. Are we trying to get him... I've tried to yes, have him yes, out yes, yes, yes. Show. Yeah, I can call him. He's a very, very good friend of mine. <laughs> and, and, uh, that's right. Yeah. And he's... Uh, he put that together and they flew at incredibly low altitude in Chicago, long, you know, long streets. Yeah, yeah. And it's very dangerous because you go through a gap. Oh, yeah. And, you know, the wind can be going in all sorts of directions. But it, <sighs> but it just gets... It just gets forgotten in the movie because you just think that they're CG as well. Yeah, yeah. It's weird, you know, because that's such an amazing feat, but Mm. it's it's sort of wasted. Mm. But you know, those movies also make a lot of money, so I'm probably in a minority. Yeah, yeah. popcorn movies really not a they're not a work of art, are they? They're just uh, well, they're not money spinners. Not my sort of thing, but you Mm. know, that's uh, no, that's the problem I have with uh, with the Marvel universe. Yeah, my favorite Marvel. Marvel, If you love it, comics, it's the same. Oh yeah, good point. They're my favorite comics, and I just think that as soon as they hit with X Men. They'll just like, right, we're just going to pump out as many movies well, as we I can. We're going to put it, as many special effects as we can. Like we're just going to try yeah. and make as much money yeah. as we can. Exactly. Whereas the DC universe, it's like, I feel like I'm only really going off Batman. Yeah. But I feel like there's much more storyline, much less. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like imagine the Batman movie if it was if Batman was a Marvel character yeah. imagine what the Batman franchise would look like exactly. it would look like there would be 50 times more explosions and and, and 50% less storyline yeah. you know what yeah. I'm saying yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and for me you get the feeling that they're putting all these characters in one movie to see which ones are popular and then they'll make a movie about that with that character you know mm, yeah. and the others they don't yeah, care about really, and it's kind it of weird really I, I, Marvel, I, Marvel comics. yeah they just I mean there's so much going on that I just don't think for me, they're, not, they're no longer interesting. I mean, yeah. Thor was fun to do because yeah. we, yeah, it's great actors and we did, you know, it was the first one and so we did some really cool stuff and, um, you know, Chris Hemsworth was fantastic. He's a fellow Australian. Hemsworth. Yeah. Uh, lives it, in my backyard, actually. And, uh, <laughs> tremend- just in the dog, the dog box there. And, uh, yeah, tremendous guy, Chris. I yeah. mean, he, he, every single bit of action uh, apart from I think two or maybe three shots in the whole movie was yeah. him no, really? du- no double yeah I is mean. there many is there many like um, of the big movie stars in Hollywood well, that do, do their own yeah, there's a, there's Jackie a, Chan obviously used to do his own stunts didn't he he was yeah, like he one of the famous guys he also had doubles that, to line stuff up and things but uh, he did pretty well all of it himself uh, mm. yeah right but uh, and Tom obviously does you know just about all his stuff himself um, but so cool but it's uh, and there's, there's more of them I mean Chris you know, Chris could easily 
uh, you know, make a living as a stuntman. Mm. Um, an Indian actor that I worked with, Rithik Roshan, did every single thing himself in a huge Bollywood movie I did called Bang Bang. Mm. And he did everything <laughs> himself, you know. Yeah, right. In fact, the first day I shot with him, I shot all the action sequences. And that's a movie I did direct the action. Um, uh, the, but the first shot he did with me was jumping off a six-story building on a you know on a line and when he came back up i said to him you know if you if you if you ever uh want to give up your day job i've got you know i can yeah. use you cause was it a what was he just, if you want a, a, you want a reduction in your uh, yeah. by, uh no, he's a, he, you know he's a major you know a huge bollywood star yeah. he did, did everything himself you know going Did he upset his life or was he just <laughs> no he's, he's amazing i mean amazing athlete yeah. amazingly uh, you know amazingly controlled about stuff you know he could change his you know change what he did he was just you know like a really good stuntman in yeah, fact much yeah. better than most of the stuntmen I had on the show Jeez, that's um, huge isn't it hmm, uh, cool, but tremendous it? but also um, there's been a lot of those I mean Andrew Garfield did a lot of stuff oh, yeah. as, as Spider-Man yep. I mean I had some great doubles for him for the specific things um, but he did a lot of stuff himself mm. uh, but Chris Chris and Rivik the Indian guy were were i mean they genuinely could make a living as a stuntman if they mm. wanted to you know mm, they yeah. i mean chris is a just you know phenomenal at, at He's a big remem- remembering moves and and being accurate and being safe and yep doing stuff i mean really really good stuff and a pleasure to work with you know he was great yeah um, so i, I want to take you back to um something you mentioned earlier when you said that you go and you do all your talks at the film, uh, film yeah. schools and so on and so forth and you always ask what the people's favourite action scene and action movie are. Um, I wanted to bring that back to you and ask you that question. Like, what are your, obviously, especially being in the industry, what are the movies that you look back on that you're like, that's the epitome of an action scene and that's the epitome of an action movie? Um, they're probably, probably nothing very, no big blockbuster movie, really. I mean, my, my probably my, one of my favourite uh, um action sequences for a fight it would be something like like uh, Point Blank with Lee Marvin you know moving from the 60s mm. late 60s mm. Don't know uh, because I think it was it was it was tremendously uh, you know the, the fight made you wince and feel it felt painful you know yeah. it felt it felt uh, dangerous you know because I think that's a big problem with me for fights and things if they don't feel uh, if they don't feel like someone's going to get hurt and it's and the same with car stuff. Unless someone feels, unless it looks, it looks and feels to me like someone's on the ragged edge of control, mm-hmm. and it and it feels like if action if accidents happen, they've got to look like an accident to me. You know, I, I loathe these sort of car chases where you can every you know even the half wit in the audience can spot the you know the crash that's about to happen. Yeah, yeah. I loathe that sort of thing. Um, but. Uh, but the big, the big thing, I guess, is I, I don't really like action movies. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, really? yeah. No, I don't. I mean, I, you know, given a given a choice, I don't. Uh, uh, you know, I don't. They, they're not the they're not the movies that I choose to watch. I mean, I've made a great living doing it, and so it sounds a bit hypocritical. But it's I, I don't. I'm not entertained much by action movies. I think a great thriller or. Uh, um, bit of a rom-com man any uh, no, <laughs> bit of rom-com no I, I, yeah, I, do, I do like I do like rom-coms I think, yeah. I think I think great all of if I was taking any movies to a desert island they'd virtually all be comedies I think mm. you know? oh, yeah, 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 things yeah. like Arthur and Ten and 
thing, you know, that movies that I think would last forever because yes. they're with very clever, funny people. You think it's the? Um, you think it's a little bit of the? Like I had a, um, I had a somebody that stayed with me on Airbnb that um, had been working in a. Um, in a mango plantation. <laughs> yeah, 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 of course. And, and, yeah. and I was like, oh my God, yeah. I fucking love mango. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and, no, and I, they were like, yeah, so did I before I started working. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that, I think so that's absolutely the sum of that. Do you like mangoes here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe I should get a job at a mango. Pays well. Get paid mangoes. But yeah, I think there's certainly, there's certainly some of that. Yeah, I, I do feel, um, you know, one of the reasons I, I sort of, of, of essentially kind of retired in this last year is because I, I didn't find anything was uh, that I was being offered was was exciting for me really right. you know I felt I'd done all that before yeah. and it's and, and you know when people uh, in the interview you know when people say they want you to do something that you've done in a movie ten five years ago or ten years ago or two years ago whatever I just think I've, I've done that it's yeah. boring I'd write, yeah. if, if I can do something new and different that's different you know making Spider-Man uh, fly and feel like he was, uh, you know, like he was Realistic. really happy. And that was a challenge, and so mm-hmm. that was fun to do. Um, Thor was was cool because we, you know, when I met Chris, it was it was obviously we would build the action around him really doing stuff for real mm, with really definitely. him because it's kind of it's kind of a weird character Thor when you think you've got your choice of any weapon on earth and you choose a hammer you know mm. you, you know it's kind of a ridiculous <laughs> you're, you're, you're made it Thor yeah you're, you're yeah, made it you're made love it Thor yeah but you know so <laughs> you know you've got to you've got to make all the all the action feel like it's human driven you know even if he's super powered mm-hmm. but uh, but the, these other ones where there's tons and tons of action it's all uh, you know, there's there's no yardstick about what someone can do. That's another thing that really drives me mad about superhero movies is that you find, you know, superheroes only only exist well in movies or or comics if they have a a really good failing. Mm. You have to have the kryptonite. Yeah, you have to have something. Otherwise, if the guy's bulletproof and can fall thousands of feet and land on concrete and not get a, you know, there's no, there's no threat or danger. Yeah, you, yeah. you have to. It, it, I, I think the whole thing with any character is what their weaknesses are, because then you can mm-hmm. build up whatever the action is. But when, and I, I find that's a big problem with a lot of superhero characters. They don't seem to have any failings. They can't yeah. nothing. You can't ever hurt them. So I don't. Uh, you, therefore, I don't feel there's any risk. Yeah. And I think risk is what's. You know what's interesting? If you saw a car, you know, spinning donuts and going flat out backwards and doing a reverse one eighty mm. on a parking lot, you'd watch it once and then it'd be boring. If you saw that same action on a narrow mountain road with a sheer drop, Definitely. it becomes exciting. Definitely. It's only the potential for for injury and danger that that yeah. becomes an exciting moment. It's like the it's like we were talking about rom coms before. Like a rom com wouldn't be successful if it was. Like they met, they no, fell exactly. in love, and then yeah. two hours later they were still in love, and everything yeah, yeah, was awesome yeah, the whole no. time. Yeah, that's right. You it's the failings. The it's it's yeah. the failings because we see we see we relate those. To that. Yeah, and we, we relate to it. We see those failings in ourselves. And, exactly. And, and, and action has to have that. Ha- action has to have threat of danger, yeah. pain, or death. Otherwise, it's no longer a risk. You mm. know, which and, is yeah, the, the big problem yeah. with a lot of movies. That, as I say, where the guy, the guy, I I, I walked off. I left um, Catwoman. Because of 
that reason. You know, wow. I, I went to shoot the, the the action sequences on Catwoman, and Halle Berry's fabulous and did most of uh, you know most of all her stuff herself. I agree, she's quite tremendous. Fabulous. Yes. <laughs> you know, such a great person to be around and yeah, do yeah. stuff with, and she was mm-hmm. terrific. Mm-hmm. But the there was no progression, and one of the things that I wanted to do, and I suggested to the to the producers very early on, is that you see you see Catwoman fight one guy and, you know, yeah. as she's developing, she fights one guy, beats him, she fights two guys, beats him, she fights four guys, beats him. And, <laughs> and she fight, you know, fights all the better and better and better. And then she meets Sharon Stone who has got no special powers, <laughs> nothing special about her. And she's an older woman and everything else. And she gets her ass kicked by her. Yeah. And it's just well, no she's reason. Cat. <laughs> well, it's just, it was just no reason though. No, no, that's no. Right. And so I wanted to have, I wanted to have Catwoman in the fight, get injured and get a broken leg, or I wanted to get a broken leg and a broken arm, and she yep. has to still fight because of that, with that, and then then there's something to overcome. And they said, no, 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 you can't, you can't have you know, Catwoman injured, and uh, and so, you know, I, I I knew that that was going to be a failing. And then the other thing I put mm. in the movie was I wanted Catwoman on a motorcycle because otherwise you, all, the only action in the movie was fights. That's all you saw, which no matter how much of a fight fan, it gets boring. Mm. And yeah. so I, I, um, I wanted to put her on a motorcycle and uh, they said, oh, no, we originally written it that way for her to be on a motorcycle. But yeah. we, we tried some you know, bespoke sort of hand-built bike um, we they wouldn't give it to us, and I, I said no, no. I said I, you know, I have a great relationship with Ducati. Yep. I'll get her a, a Ducati, and uh, I'll, I'll shoot a sequence with her on a bike because I think it's really, you know, it's really cool. And I spoke to Hallie about it, and I said, look, you know, this is this is a really good thing because it's a cool image, a really sexy woman on a really sexy bike, mm, you know, flying around definitely. at night, and. Uh, Height, black, late. Yeah, exactly. Well, the, funny, the, funny thing is, the funny thing is, they said, oh, okay, if you can get something cool. And so I, I quickly called my buddy at Ducati and said, uh, I've got Halle Berry, tight black leather, you know, and she's going to be chasing around doing cars and chasing cars. <laughs> We're going to cover it. And, yeah, and I, need, I, need a, I need a bike now. Yeah. I need, so I need two of them, you know, one for each unit. And mm. I, I, I chose a particularly... Um, an S4 RS Ducati Monster, and uh, it was great because I, they said, "Okay, we'll get, we'll have two of them to by by Saturday." Yes, and uh, I shot a, a sequence with her pulling up where she robs. I think she robs a jewel store or something. She came out on the do. bike and gets gets off, and it was you know really sexy image. She was you know she looked great. The bike was black and silver, and it was terrific. And I, ne- I never got a chance to shoot the rest of the sequence. Um, because the producers were always saying, oh, they weren't interested in it. No one wants to see Catwoman riding a bike. Mm. Anyway, we had a row. I, I eventually left the movie. Right. Um, I, you know, just said I, I wasn't... I just thought the stuff we were doing was uninteresting. Sure. Yep. Um, uh, it was probably a bit arrogant of me, but still, I left it. And I, I remember it always bothered me whether... Because I got on really well with Hallie, and I, I liked a lot of the people. Uh, so I, it sort of bothered me whether I'd made the right choice. And it's funny, when the first trailer came on the TV and it was all Harry on the motorcycle mm. <laughs> I knew I'd made the right decision when the film was a turkey yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, it, was, it was a genuine turkey oh, it was a dreadful <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a dreadful movie because it's boring there's fights just go on and on and on and on and on mm. and the funny you know the funny and sad thing is that Hallie knew that it was a turkey 
when still we were do doing it. it, but she still did it with sort of all her energy. Yeah. Yeah. Still got your reputation yeah. as, as an actress. She was tremendous, so. you know, did yeah. a lot of the fights and things herself. It was terrific. So, but with those sort of ones, are they, are they a little bit harder to sort of, um, I guess, make that call? Because with, with like a Superman superhero movie, I guess the thing is, irrespective of the skills of the, the shitty sort of security people or whatever, they should have that idea or the plot should go that, you know, fight him, kill him, kill him, kill him, and then it's the big boss at the end. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, like, is the is that kind of skewed with what people want to see, even though it's not supposed to be realistic because that's not what the superhero Well, is? it should be skewed that way. Yeah. But I think in the end it gets skewed with people's personal egos about storytelling and everything else. I mean, I think, right. I think the moment you abandon those basic... Uh, values, mm. you're in trouble with a movie. Mm. You know, it's 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 hard to make a movie. Um, it's hard to make a movie and have someone buy into a special world, which is not a world that we necessarily know. You know, yep. and so I think you have to pay very careful attention to those sort of things. Definitely. Um, yeah, yeah, and I. I uh, I think it's you know that was important to, for me to to leave that movie and because I just didn't feel I was doing anything any good you know mm. and uh, certainly at that stage of my career I just thought unless I can do something really great that I can look back on and be feel cool about it, I don't want to yeah. do it yeah, yeah. that's fair enough yeah and you know it's a, it's a sad thing because I think Halle Berry as Catwoman is a fantastic opportunity mm, to do yeah. something really cool that movie done properly that movie should have been a huge success and should, yeah, have, been yeah. a, should have been an iconic Definitely. character that every little girl wants to be like yeah, like yeah. the kids the nerdy kids that grow up and want to be Spider-Man it should yeah, be yeah. just the same for Catwoman you know because it's 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 also very now it's a it's a female empowering movie mm. and uh, you know it's a cool sexy character so it satisfies all every sort of demographic it's it's yeah, it's, right, it's yeah. terrible that that movie wasn't a huge success and probably yeah, yeah. won't get made again for a lot of years because of it because it's yeah, a big yeah. expensive movie it's interesting yeah, yeah for sure um, yeah so with um, with the fact that you're in the film industry Andy do you find that um, and I'm going to use another example I have a friend who's a um, he's a sports analyst he's basically a pr- professional punter yeah know, on, on, on um, cricket and football mm. and he makes a really good living out of it whatever but for him watching sport isn't really fun anymore like he because he breaks down every little yeah, bit of the game yeah. and he sees figures that he shouldn't see his mind's not there for like someone like yourself who's worked in the film industry your whole life do you do you find it hard to get engrossed in a movie and like, yeah, like can you yeah. just pick it apart too much is it, is it oh yeah terrible I, I do yeah. yeah I think that's why I naturally gravitate towards either very light, lightweight movies or, or documentaries I mean I watch yeah. a huge amount of documentaries yeah yeah uh, uh, I, I used to think I was looking for I would watch them to find something interesting that might make a you know a great theatrical movie but mm-hmm. I realise I actually enjoy them much more because yeah, yeah. Uh, because they don't follow a separate path and the villain might not be the villain and you know that, mm-hmm. that's real life you know yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm much more interested in those than uh, and that's really one, one of the reasons I wanted to sort of step away from doing action movies as, as I've mm. done now and I've been you know written a couple of books and doing these seminars and things is because I felt I was getting um, 
a bit stale, you know, and yeah. I just I, I wasn't excited by it anymore, you know. Yeah. Um, I guess that's the most important thing as well yeah, for you. Like, if you're not going to be excited by it, if then... you're not excited by it, then you're never going to do anything any good. Yeah, that's know? right. Yeah, and it's, it doesn't matter. More. You know, yes, you can do it for the money, and you can you can do those. You can just keep churning it along, but but I'd rather find something else that I can earn money from and yeah. and do another. You know, I, which is why I wanted to. I really made a conscious effort to sort of step away from it after uh, after the Spider-Man movies. I, I felt I'd done some really cool stuff on it, and then we did the Indian movie, Bang Bang, which we did some you know fantastic stuff all over the world in in uh, all over India and uh, Abu Dhabi, and all, you know did some wow. pretty unique stunts mm. that we designed and set up. Because it, the wonderful thing about the the huge Indian movie is it didn't have to make any real sense. So there was a chance to do <laughs> yeah. stuff just for the spectacle of doing it. You know, yeah, yeah. backflipping motorcycles on a, <laughs> on a huge bridge. You know, Bollywood, the bridge. Yeah, yeah, totally Probably mad. Completely crazy. But it was because of it, it became really good fun because you could just think of something and do it. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> no, they weren't. That's it. That, the funny thing is, That's when I first plan. when I first talked to them about doing it, they they'd had a. They started the movie and they did a sequence in Thailand and they, the, the actor was hurt. They, mm. they didn't tell me this till afterwards that he had a he had a brain an operation you know in, oh, in, in, his, in his brain he had a brain bleed and uh, but Fox Twenty um, Century Fox asked me to come and do the action on the movie and uh, they would only underwrite it if they had someone that they knew doing the action and they you know one of the big yeah. things they wanted to tell me is that no one could get injured or or you know, obviously killed on the movie. It had to be safe because they've had a terrible record in India of stuntmen that have, you know, wow, been injured or killed. And so um, I said I'd do the movie, and we and I, I read the script. And there was just sort of place markers really for the action. So I designed loads of bits of action on a ridiculous scale, mm. you know, and basically like a shopping list, so that the director and the producer could look at it and uh, the star could look at it and see which ones they wanted and, and then they the interview went well and Fox wanted me to do it and the director wanted me to do it so we went off on these scouts to uh, India and to Abu Dhabi and to uh, South Africa and all, all over the place and uh, I kept waiting for them to say which of these things on this list of mad stuff that I'd invented which would they like to do yep and eventually I had to ask him on one of the flights, you know, I said, which bits? And I mean, all, all of it. <laughs> it was just, every, you know, everything oh, I could God, think I'm not of, sure you understood that. No, no, it was. It was like after I'd... Uh, this is going to be a 17 hour video, I don't know. know. I'd have fired, you know, and had a couple of bottles or something and I'd be, you know, writing something out. <laughs> yeah. Secrets, you know, no, I no, idea how, no idea on earth how we're going to do it. Yeah. But, um, so she's... <laughs> but it was... Uh, it was really great fun, you know, and it was great to have a star that could really do stuff. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I brought some very specialised stunt people from here. Um, and we, we uh, and, a, and, a, uh, and some from other parts of the world, we, we, we took uh, people and, you know, did some really fantastic stuff. We did a huge car crash. Um, one of the biggest ones that a woman's ever done, which my wife did... Um, in, and we did it in Abu Dhabi. You know, I just thought it'd be cool to do it in a in a very Arab. Your wife was a stunt woman. Yeah, she's a stunt really? woman. Wow. Yeah. And cool. uh, we did a an absolutely 
huge crash, especially design one um, in a, in Abu Dhabi, and it was I I just thought it, it, apart from anything else, it was a sort of political statement. It was a nice thing to do because when we were setting up the stunt, you know, there's a lot of people. Uh, you know, from the royal family, and that came out to watch this huge stunt we were going to do, and then they were really surprised that it was a woman that was going to, you know, get into the fire suit and helmet mm. and that to do it. So it was, it was, it was a big eye-opening thing. And in fact, one of the stunt women that I had there was is from Iran. Mm-hmm. She's the only stunt woman in Iran. Well, she was the only stunt woman in Iran, and she. Uh, we used her to do some stuff in the movie as well, and then she defected and came here. And so she's actually so I helped get her into the yeah. country, cool. and it was really good because it was a, you know, it was quite a political statement to show this huge, uh, very violent car crash performed by a woman in a in a in a very uh, Arab country. Yeah. So it was, it was a cool thing to do, you know. Um, so. I kind of wanted to ask, and I don't know how to ask this, but have you had things go wrong? Like, have people been injured? And, and what is that? It, it, in the industry in general, it, how often do things go wrong? You know, people, obviously, you said in, in India um, or Bollywood, you know, people have, people have died. I'm sure probably not mm. people have died. Like, yeah. what's, the, what's the risk factor in just in there, Hollywood there's, in, in this kind of stuff? There's always a risk, and it's very important to constantly remind yourself of that as a coordinator, particularly when you've designed stuff. I mean, I've had many, many occasions where I've designed something and then months later you're performing it, you know, you're, you're setting it up to do it. And I've, the, the pressure is huge, you know, because you suddenly realise at least one person could easily die. Yeah. And it, you know, I've had many, many times over the years where I've thought, what the hell was I thinking of when I suggested this? Yeah. You know, what was that? You know, was I smoking Especially when, crack? probably when you're the one who's actually, <laughs> like, if you're on set, do you having to put it together? Like, yeah, like, I'm, I'm the guy the there. You know, I'll be, I'll be the guy that's calling action and, and uh, you know, telling someone, you know, and there, there'll be a performer that will be about to do something that you've told them is safe to do yeah you know? and um you know, and it's 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 a tremendous you know there's there's uh there's a great video of me talking to actually my brother-in-law he wasn't my brother-in-law at the time but he when he um there's a metallica video which is a theme song from one of the mission impossibles where we designed some very, very big stunts for each of the members of the band from Metallica to do. Cool. And one of the ones that Lars was going to do is he run along a building and he jumps through a window and it's 46 floors and he's on a, you know, on a single cable. So uh, Jay Caputo, my now brother-in-law, did the stunt and I'd set it up. And uh, it's, a, it's an interesting thing because there's a, there's a famous bit of video where the, while I'm in an interview talking to Lars about it uh, a PA came up and said where do I want the ambulance <laughs> and I because I'm a little bit superstitious I don't like particularly when I was going to perform big stunts I don't like to be able to see the ambulance you know yep. particularly if you're a high up or yep. something you know so yeah you don't want to know that you're going to get no, there you're not, you're not see, you don't want <laughs> so to that's be a focal like point <laughs> but in this case I said to the PA it doesn't matter where you put it because if he goes 46 floors to concrete yeah. I want to meet the I'm going to meet the medic that can yeah, help yeah. him because yeah, yeah, so yeah. he won't need an ambulance. More, he'll he'll need a hose and a broom. Yeah, that's right. And uh, that was being recorded at the time, so it's quite <laughs> a funny bit of. But it's um, 
it's especially for um like Lars Ulrich from like the Carolina. It's not it's not nah. a stunt performer, one of the best stunt performers. Yeah, that's right. It's not even a stunt performer at all. Yeah, and it's huge. I mean, there's a funny side to that story is that the I negotiated a fee to pay the stuntman that's going to go out the window, and the producer at the time was thought this sounded a lot of money and so I was riding up with her with her in the elevator at the time and when we got to the floor the window had been taken out that he's going to go through <laughs> and we're walking over and she couldn't get within 10 feet of the window and I yeah. said no no come and look over look over you know see you see because in the end it doesn't matter whether you pay him 10 grand or 10 dollars if he if it goes wrong it's irrelevant yeah, yeah, and yeah. she went no 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 she's fine no he's fine couldn't even get near the window and it's uh Miss Cousy, Miss Cousy. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, but I, I remember driving home that night and pulling out of the parking lot. I went to sort of look left and right and I couldn't move my head and it was just from tension. Oh, yeah. And, and you realise at those times that it's such a huge responsibility because mm. you've got someone's life in your hands that you're going to... Yeah, 100%. You know, and you have to... You know, I always ask people before some big stunt, you know, who the next kin, kin is, you know, whether they've got any allergies to medication or whether they've got any you know bits in their body that they don't you know that they haven't told you about because yep. if you're going to go you know if you're going to suddenly go into emergency ward they need to know all that yep. but luckily in my career I've not had anyone die touch wood but I've had some fairly you know fairly big um, injuries where you're mm. sort of visiting hospitals but actually the worst ever injury though on, on sort of my watch was to myself really right. where I broke my back in five places jeez really? <laughs> um, and um, shit it's a, it's a good lesson that I talk about in the seminars to stunt coordinators that that why I, I feel very strongly that you shouldn't stunt coordinate and be the performer because if if I'd have been just coordinating I would have talked the performer out of doing exactly what I did which was, which was you know I'd rehearsed a car jump several times and landed it perfectly and then right before I went when your adrenaline's up and you're you know you're already pretty amped up yeah. the director had said to me try and um, let's just try and do this once because it's it's uh, you know so it'd be good if it's really good and we only do it once and it was uh, sort of ego kicked in and yeah. I thought you know it was one of those things I'll, I'll fucking show you once yeah, yeah, yeah that's right uh, yeah. and uh, <laughs> And it was a, you know, it's one of those moments when I was in the air, and I obviously went much faster and much harder, and I was much higher <laughs> like in the just air. A, just a, yeah. just a dude. Every, just yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Do, every, <laughs> do everything that you, that I instruct people not to do. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Be, but there was no me to tell me <laughs> yeah, not to do. Yeah, there was And it was, you know, I was in the air long enough to think, oh, this is going to hurt. <laughs> and <laughs> and even to have a second thought to think, well, maybe this won't hurt. Maybe this would be a big. The big one fade really? black, you know. So you almost got so philosophical. Like, what is yeah, life? Yeah, well, it's, it's like it's sort of ridiculous, you know, because you just—it was a wily e. coyote moment where you just sort yeah. of, you go into the air you and mean, you stop and hang there for what seemed like twenty minutes, and then you have a gravity attack. Well, I thought wily e. coyote was CGI, but apparently not. No, but could, and I could have played him. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but it was, um, yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a, a massive learning. Well, it was it was a it was a reaffirmation of something I already knew, mm. and it was it was good that it's it's only myself that is the example of it, mm. you know, because it was a it was a you know it was a, a massive injury and it sort of shortened me up 
nearly an inch in height, you know. Really? And, uh, oh, and, man. Uh, yeah, and, I, and the funny thing is I, I, I used to be married to a, um, one of the country's sort of leading um, neuro... Uh, doctors, you know, and so oh. so I had to make well, my daughter had to make the phone call to her to say that uh, you know that I'd done this. Mom, you're not going to like this. <laughs> no, exactly, and um, you know, and I, so a I, had, shorter. I, I had all sorts of specialists. Um, We're getting divorced. <laughs> all sorts of specialists, sort of, uh, you know, treat me, but they did want to pin it and plate it, and I didn't want them to do it. Nah. Because everyone I know that's had pins and you know fused vertebrae together oh, nah. has never been good. No good. But I stupidly, once they'd given me painkillers and I got home, I was out on a motorcycle the next day and, uh, and, really? and came off that with my kids. You know, my kids were, and I were riding and, uh, um, uh, the, and it was that point that the doctor said, you know, if it, it's, it's still shrinking up. I hadn't told him that I'd actually crashed a motorcycle and been hit by, and been hit by a backhoe. So, Having had all my motorcycles and things confiscated <laughs> from me by my wife. So I said, you're good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm already good. Yeah, I, thought I'd then, I thought I'd then rearrange some garden and yard work. And so I had a guy come in with a huge backhoe to try and move some big boulders. And uh, obviously still with a lot of uh, false courage from painkillers, I was on, uh, on these big boulders while the guy was moving them. And I remember sit, uh, being on a, you know, I was trying to get a huge boulder, great big thing, which weighed, you know, a ton or something, getting him to push it with the side of the bucket. And as I'm standing on the boulder next to it, I could see the bucket sliding up the, you know, it's fully under load with the hydraulics. Mm. And I can remember standing on the rock thing, oh, fuck. And I just went like that as the, as the, the back hoe bucket slid Ooh. off the rock and hit me. And it went, it, it was fantastic. It really was a wily coyote yeah, moment yeah. where it sent me like 20 feet through the air into a tree. Shit. And no injuries, luckily, but I, I, I was that? wearing a steel, well, I was wearing this steel brace oh. thing, but the poor guy oh, driving the back hole, I thought it was another seizure. I thought it was another heart attack. And he, he locked up the machine and told my wife that he would, wouldn't move any more rocks unless I was in the house. <laughs> so, um, so did you get that on film? I think I've seen no. that in a Quentin Tarantino movie. <laughs> no, no, it's quite... <laughs> It was a, uh, quite a colourful uh, moment. So I was mm. uh, after that, I was sort of banished to bed. And <laughs> fair enough. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, that's all. Should we go from uh, six from six? Go from yeah, six, from six. six. Yeah. Um, so Andy, to finish off, we uh, we like to wrap it up with three questions from myself, three questions right. from Tommy. Um, Do I win anything if I get them right? Uh, you win a new bag. <laughs> I, uh, I've got a new bag in my yeah, bag. Yeah. You've got a really lovely uh, <laughs> away here. Yes. Yeah. You can have this chair that's yours. <laughs> I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll going to take it. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so my first question is, um, I am going to assume that you're a well-traveled man anyway. So uh, my first question is, your favorite travel destination on the planet can be a small town, can be a continent, can be anywhere. Hmm... Um, I think I think parts parts of Italy probably uh, uh, any of the any of the little towns sort of south of Milan south mm. of Milan okay nice cool I like it uh, my second question is um, your dream travel destination so again somewhere you haven't been can be can be anywhere um hmm I I've, I haven't been to Papua New Guinea. Mm. I'd like to go to Papua New Guinea. 
I've, I've, I've spent time in Borneo and... Uh, um, See the orangutans? See the orangutans, yeah. Borneo, yeah. yeah. Um, and... Uh, yeah, I'd like to see Papua New Guinea because I think it's one of the last places on the planet where there's where you know they don't sell McDonald's and yeah, you know mm. I, I think there's, there's precious few of those places left. Oh yeah, for sure. Crazy. I'm right. lucky. I've been to the Arctic and I've been oh, I've worked wow. on six of the seven continents in the world. But I have a I think uh, yeah I think Papua New Guinea is probably the last place that we haven't screwed up in some way. Mm. Right. Cool. Mm. We're going to uh, Papua New Guinea with AdventureFit in April. Bang. Oh, really? Quick plug. Yeah. Quick plug there. So yeah. we have. So this is AdventureFit Radio, the, the podcast of AdventureFit Travel. So we're actually going to Mexico tomorrow for yeah. a trip to take a bunch of people through Mexico. So we actually have... Uh, Fantastic. Where in Mexico? Uh, we've gone to Yucatan. So this is the first foray into Latin America. So I've got... I love Mexico. I mean, mm, Mexico is fantastic. Yeah, yeah, it's my favourite. It's my equal favourite country with... Two others. I've, I've, done, I've, I've done the Carrera Panamericana, the, the, the car race from that goes from almost the, it goes from Tuxla Gutierrez in the uh, um, well, it goes to Tuxla Gutierrez from right down from the Guatemalan border. Yep, so it's two thousand miles the whole length of Mexico. Mm. The, what was the old Panamericana highway? Yeah, awesome. Yeah, so we're going to we're going to the Yucatan Peninsula. It's just the first foray into Latin America, and it's it's the easiest, simplest. Yeah. You know, my Spanish is conversational; it's not fluent. You know what I mean? So yeah. just it's just uh, we just I can ask for, the, for the toilet. Yeah, I'm like that in most countries. I I can, I ask, can for ask for stuff. I'm not, I'm not sure whether I've asked for the toilet or called the police. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, uh, maybe both. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe both. Yeah. I've gone to the toilet with the police. <laughs> if the police take you to the toilet, <laughs> yeah. that's bad. That's, that's right. Really gets weird. Yeah. Well, it's weird. It's not necessarily yeah. that. It's just, uh, you know, requires a bit of money. Yeah. Um, yeah, great. Okay, so my last question, Andy, is uh, do you have any books that you recommend to people? It can be a, a novel, it can be a um, comic book, it can be an autobiography, sorry, autobiography, whatever. Um, Adventures in the Screen Trade by uh, William Goldman. Ooh. I think it's a great, a great one for people that want to get into the movie business but it's mm-hmm. also a great uh, it's a great window into the world of the sort of uh, madness about the movie business mm-hmm. but uh, um, other, otherwise I read a lot but I, a lot of the stuff I read uh, motor racing books or travel books and cool things, but, yeah. um, cool that's cool uh, awesome Tommy uh, any biggest uh, role model growing up as a kid or someone you look up to now uh, as a kid, Fangio, the Italian racing driver, Fangio, Mo- mostly be- not be- for his motor racing, but because his uh, because of his character. Mm. I mean, he just did some uh, uh, amazing stuff and was like a, had a sort of Forrest Gump of a life where he he seemed, you know tended to be in certain parts of the world where something spectacular was going on. Mm. So I think I try to emulate some of that in my life, traveling around. I've worked in. 44 countries and I think it's it's great that you know I've been in some of them while coups have happened and all sorts of things wow. so I think I think so I think adventure travel is the most important thing you can install install in a kid mm, definitely more so than any any formal education because you really to really educate you need to go to places you need to see people you can't talk about poverty or yeah or riches or cold or heat or Tropic or whatever until you've seen it and felt it, you know. I actually um, safe to say you were a big uh, Fangio. 
I was talking up for a minute as well. That was, yeah, it was good. My brother, I've got a brother that's eight years younger than me, and I started traveling when I was 24, and it changed my life. Now I own a travel yeah, company or whatever, yeah. and I, I couldn't agree more. I think I'm a much better person that I know the world a little Absolutely. bit better than, I mean, than, one of the, than the average person. One of the mm. sadnesses, I think, is that airports feel the same wherever you are. You mm. know, I think it's still special when you get off at an airport and it's one of those you know, Banana Republic type places where yeah. you can smell the, you know, the, 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 the sort of wildlife and the, and the yeah. jungle and things. Those, those are still exciting for me when you go to those places. So with, uh, with my brother, so he's, when I started traveling when I was 24 and so we're eight years apart and then I, for his 18th birthday, I was like, okay, this was, uh, his present was a sheet of paper and it had a list of eight different destinations that we could go to. It was, um, we could go snowboarding in Japan. We could go, um, uh, on safari in South Africa we could go surfing in um, mm-hmm. Indonesia I gave him eight choices and I said this is your birthday present choose one of these and study up and we'll go and fantastic do it yeah to get to get his mind ticking over and get that kind of because I very important f- feel so passionate about travel when I I get so excited and look at different places I can go mm. and try and stoke that fire within him and now he's like he's 23 now he's travelled not as much as me but much more than me at that age yeah and it's just yeah I think it's just oh, it's, so it's fantastic it's I really, one of the things that I'm most proud of is that my kids uh, used to, I was divorced from my first wife very early, so my kids came, you, you know, I used to send a nanny and they'd come with me wherever I was in the world. And I always made a point of taking them to poor places as well as exotic yeah. places because sure. uh, they could see parts of the world. And it's really great that that installed something in them that they still do now. They still travel, you know, yeah. and it's it's terrific, you know, because... There's nothing like it. You could, I think people waste far too much money on schools and expensive schools and things. You know, travel mm-hmm. is where real education is. Mm-hmm. That's where, you know, that's the downfall of a lot of people in America. You know, there's still something like 40% of people in America don't have a passport. Yeah. Wow. Uh, and it's, it's outrageous, you know. Yeah. And people, you know, in that whole middle part of America never travel out of America. Yeah. It's, it's tr- travel is the ultimate form of education far more than you'll ever learn in a school yep I feel like America um, is the number one country for that that for, for yeah, staying yeah. within their own borders and it's because for one it's such a passionate such a diverse such a, it is an awesome country it's obviously, a fantastic country you yeah, know yeah, but, uh, but it's still like when you travel I travelled through Latin America for six months and it's so funny the culture of travel with Australians because there's uh, 26 million people in Australia and I think 6 million of them were in, were in South America. It, yeah. it, was, it was all Australians. Yeah, Australians, no are, Australians like British people, though. You'll yeah. go to some weird back end of beyond and you'll, yeah. you'll always meet someone from England, Australia, New Zealand, or Scotland. Someone yeah. selling drugs, obviously. Yeah. Well. But you always yeah. will. You'll always meet someone, yeah, some definitely. bizarre 100%. place, you know, in the middle Absolutely. of nowhere. 100%. And the banter's always the exact same. It's always the same. Always yeah. the same. It's but same. It's, that's yeah, terrific, though. From? Oh, yeah, yeah. But it's, Hobo, yeah. Yeah, but it's yeah. terrific. Classic. I love meeting those sort of people because they always, they're people that have wandered off around the world somewhere and then they stop somewhere and they make a business and they're often very successful at it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's a really key ingredient that we need to install in kids because it's really important you know and Mm. it's really i think it also goes a long way to to preventing wars and issues and that as well because Mm. it's very easy to sit in somewhere in the states and 
point things at different countries because you're basing your mm. own values on it. it correct. And yeah. it's, it's different if you've been there and you mm. see that. You it see is, what yeah, I mean. yeah. Tell you one of the one of the biggest things. I'd like to, your thoughts on this. One of the biggest things that I find is a travesty in this world. So I've always I've always um, thought of like if I was to have the Bill Kerr Foundation in 30 years time, if I'm very successful and you know people start foundations for whatever whatever reason. Yeah. I find, and I'm not talking about opening borders for um, expatriation for people to be able to live in every country in the world. But so I have staff in the Philippines, um, full time staff, and I speak to the guys about possibly trying to get them on an adventure trip at one point. And on a Philippine passport, there's so many countries that they mm. cannot yeah, get to yeah, at all. And yeah. it's the same. We have we've done every space camp, so I have staff in yeah, Nepal. Yeah. Nepal. Rabi um, gave away his Nepali passport when he married an American woman. This is one of my guys in, in Nepal. Yep. And he was so happy to do it because he could travel the world now. Mm. Because there's uh, there's 70% of the world, that passport would never no, get you into that country. It's going to get worse because, of the, because insane, of the Muslim footprint yeah, and, and people's interpretation of what yeah, that's Muslim right. is. You know, it's that's not, right. not, not just banning the, the sort of Muslim footprint around the world but it's 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 about people's reaction to that yeah to that you know and it's uh yeah absolutely i mean i think it's i think it's a it's a travesty that sort of thing it's yeah it's uh it really frustrates me i mean that's the real danger that that some of the terrorism that's going on now that's the real danger that it's causing is is it it's it's destroying the chance of a lot of these people will have to travel because mm. it's making Definitely. you know it's going back to the 1940s of isolation of countries and things. yeah it's um yeah, yeah. anyway I, I i mean i yeah i mean I, although i don't get excited about going off to do a movie i still get excited about landing in some tropical or weird barren place somewhere yeah. Jurassic it's Park, still yeah, it's yeah, still yeah. still exciting i mean i've you know spent some time in borneo and Wandering around and it's places like that are still. Oh yeah. You still go wow. Yeah. You know, yeah. When there's things, things that, you know, you you know you've you're not in Kansas sort of thing. You know, it's definitely. It's, it's I had this conversation with somebody just over the last couple of days. Like I've travelled. Um, I did a, a quite a large trip in South America, six months, um, and I've done also a three month trip through Europe. Yeah. And the difference of my excitement levels. Oh, of course. Uh, so I had a great time in Europe. Don't get me wrong, because I had a bunch of my friends, and we were just going to have a great time wherever we were. Yeah. But yeah. I've seen Victorian architecture. Yeah, I've yeah, seen Edwardian yeah. architecture. Right. The stuff that you see in places where I feel like I'm actually really out of my depth, or not out of my depth, but in totally different culture shock, that's what gets me excited yeah, for well, travel. I'm, I'm, I'm developing a TV series at the moment to do in, um, in Brazil, and mm. we were just down in... Uh, my wife and I were just down in Rio recently consulting on a on a TV series there in Rio and it was great because I hadn't been I'd been to Rio before but but uh, it was on a, a James Bond movie Moonraker cool. years and years ago 35 years ago nice one just a little one yeah and uh, I didn't spend that much time in Rio this time so that was really cool to see that yeah. it's my favourite city in the world it's fantastic yeah, it's what amazing. a fantastic looking city you know? I, I actually I went there with the highest expectations of anywhere I've ever been and I'd also been in Bolivia for <laughs> three weeks and I'd been I haven't been to Bolivia I want to go to Bolivia Bolivia's yeah. great yeah, it's, yeah, absolutely, yeah. it's absolutely amazing the salt flats the uni salt flats uh-huh. it's just that's I also want to go down in South America I want to go down and ski in Chile as well yeah that's a- yeah, yeah. so I um, I went to Brazil with the highest hopes for uh, uh, to Rio sorry with the highest hopes for any city that I've ever been to and I was also really sick for three weeks in Bolivia and 
I said, I've got to just get out of Bolivia because yeah. I'm not getting better here. I was on all these antibiotics. I'm just going to go sit on the beach or I was going to have to go home because I'd lost 12 kilograms. And so I went into Rio with just these high expectations. It had to <laughs> save my life, basically. It saved my trip and it blew all my expectations yeah, out of the water. Yeah, 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 fantastic yeah. warm people as well, you know. Mm. It's easy to sort Karyakas. of. It's easy to think about the crime and everything there, but God, there's a lot of great, and warm, and you know, they, mm. it was really. We had real, had a lot of fun down there recently. It was it's just you know great. So I'm looking forward to doing a, trying to get a series going down there. What's mm. the series? It's, uh, it, well, they they do a lot of these television series, which are like sort of glorified soap operas, really. But yeah. mm. but we. I, you know, I want to try and introduce a, a real action series to them there, you know, gotcha. and, but make it something that they can shoot. I just executive produce or, mm-hmm. or something. So it's a, a sort of cop show, you know. Yeah, cool. Well, I, um, I actually did karate for 14 days, um, Andy. So, uh, you know, if you ever need a star coordinator, yeah. uh, besides yourself. You never know. I mean, it's... it's uh, I may not have the most pretty face. There's One of the things I loved about Rio is that or Brazil generally, is that it's it's a real... The people there are mongrels, really. They're mm. from everywhere, you know. Mm. And there's people from every walk of life and every colour and shape mm. and everything. It just is one of those few places in the world where they really has, you know, the melting pot has worked, sort, yeah. sort of thing. I mean, some parts of the world it just doesn't work, you know. Yeah. They, they, people look, you know, it doesn't... Genetically, they don't look like they've, you know, mm. been a, <laughs> it hasn't worked at all. But Brazil is, you know, just got these fantastically attractive people. And it's just stuff oh, yeah, goes it's outrageous. Deep, I actually yeah. wanted, unbelievable. Uh, this is what happened. So I was over there when I was single and 24, oh, Andy. My God, yeah. So, so I, got, <laughs> yeah. I walked into Brazil and I was there for about two weeks and I walked in there Hello. and I thought, I thought to myself, <laughs> All right, this is fucking unbelievable. We're on, we're on. This is this yeah. is because um, of the amount of beautiful chicks there. I thought this is crazy, and then yeah. about three or four days in, I haven't had any luck with any of the women. So I'm, I'm thinking, geez, this is pretty good. I hope I really get to score one of these beautiful Brazilian women. And then about a week, uh, uh, a week in, I was like, all right, fuck, get me out of here. This is too much. This is too much to handle. Yeah. <laughs> so you end up getting a bloke. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. I swear, a lot of people would go there when uh, the shit's when, when their baby smiles at them. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, hey, uh, so we'll go to number two now. Um, so Andy, what uh, what do you like to do in your spare time when you have some downtime? Um, I do quite a bit of photography. I'm a very hey. bad painter. Good. Uh, I, do some, <laughs> I do sort of you know very rudimentary art. Um, Rude or rudimentary? Well, both actually. Oh, no, <laughs> both. Other than that, travel really. I mean, I like I like I like to I like to travel. I mean, we we go to, we go to a few of the. The car races around the world. Because I, I, I have a connection with Red Bull, so I go to a lot of the Formula One races. Wow! Um, and we often the European ones. Like you were saying about Europe, it can be less exciting. One of the things that we do there is we often rent a, rent motorcycles in Europe. So mm. when we last went to the to the Spanish and Italian motorcycle Grand Prix, we we went we flew to Milan, and then we picked up two bikes and we rode from Milan to uh, uh, to uh, to see the the Spanish Grand Prix in um, 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 not Valencia no I'm just trying to think of the <laughs> I'm just trying to think no Florence we went, we, went to, we went to Florence and uh, so we then we saw you know practice qualified in the race and then we drove down to the south of France rode all along you know the, the from Monte Carlo all along 
to Marseille and then up into Spain and sort of Spanish Grand Prix and then rode back across the bottom of the Alps. And I, I was on one bike, my wife was on the other bike and when we took her mother on the back of her bike. Embarrassing, I'm the only one that crashed. But, uh, <laughs> Did you break your back in 14 No, I didn't. I, I, uh, I, it was really embarrassing. I, I crashed parking the bike and was had to be helped up by two very attractive women in black stockings and heels that were sort of lifting me up. So it was yeah, a, that's like, a masculine like, idea. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. There was not even a bike there, wasn't there? Yeah, it was just 14 girls. Very embarrassing moment, but it was good. Because I agree. Otherwise, you, you know, you've seen all the bits in Europe. It's not. It's no longer exciting again. But yeah. it was. It was fun to see it on a bike. I got to say, mm-hmm. it was fun mm-hmm. to see. Great day. way to see um, the scenery. So, yeah. So we're doing doing some of those. I, I we I usually go to two car Grand Prix a year. Cool. Usually the Texas race here in Austin, and then usually mm-hmm. one somewhere else in the world. So we're thinking about maybe doing Singapore this year. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, and finally, this is a tough one, but I'm um, very interested to see uh, what you what you say here. If you could invite three people to dinner, dead or alive, um, some people in the past, some people in the present, people in the future. If you're not, if you're aware of some people in the future, uh, who would they be, and and why? Ah, that's an interesting one. Mm. Um, well, I suppose language languages aside, I think. Fangio would probably have to be one of those. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, probably Noel Coward would be the other one. Noel Coward? Uh, yeah. Not a brave man. Yeah, I, think, I just think just for the for the outrageousness of the humour. Um, Noel Coward, sorry? He, uh, Noel Coward was a mad uh, British theatrical, very gay actor right. that was a, that directed and wrote as well. Wow. Um but was that you know was had outrageous one-liners and things? Yeah. Um, the other one would probably be Peter Sellers. Oh yeah, Peter Sellers. Yeah. Fantastic. That'd be good. Yeah. Uh, one of my favourite movies of all time is The Party. Yeah, fantastic movie. Just, fantastic. A lot, people, a lot of people get annoyed by that movie because it's just fantastic. like, oh, what could else go wrong? Yeah, this just amazing hilarious. about that movie is, I mean, you could never finance a movie like that now. Yeah. I mean, you go, you know, what the, if you try to, you know, imagine pitching that to a studio where you have about oh. 30 seconds to say what it's about you, you That's say, right. what the fuck's it about <laughs> well it's like it's like the original I, I feel like obviously like three suitors and all that sort of stuff but the slapstick comedy in that just made way for, for for so many movies that you see now that are huge and I can't obviously think of one off the top of my head but uh, <laughs> god what's that movie with um, Steve Carell well I mean all of the, the Pink Panther stuff yeah, with Steve yeah. Martin and all that sort of stuff like it was just hilarious but that, I mean if, if, there was, if there was a fourth person to be it would also be Buster Keaton Buster Keaton talk, when you talk about brilliant physical humour yeah um, you know you should look at some some Buster Keaton movies because his, his some of the stuff he did mm. uh, was brilliant you know and the thing about uh, the thing about him is he's a massive contradiction you know the guy was an incredible athlete and yet he was an alcoholic <laughs> He was a fantastic comedian, and yet he was a manic depressive. You really? Know? And, uh, he was a boy, but he was also a woman. Yeah, but it's, you know, <laughs> if you're doing nothing sometime, go online and look at some great Buster Keaton stunts. I mean, yeah. he did stuff that was just everything that Jackie Chan thought about doing, he got the seed of the idea from Buster Keaton. Wow, that's huge. Yeah, yeah and his stuff is, is still to this day. Brilliant. I've tried to put a little bit of Buster Keaton in every action moment within the Spider-Man movies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because I got Andrew Garfield interested in it, and I mm. I used to uh, 
you know, try and replicate or, or put some little seed of something. You know, one of the one of the great stunts he did was there was a thing where he runs across the road and a car goes by and he reaches it and gets pulled out of shot. You know, completely horizontal. And um, I wanted to do that in Spider Man, and at first I had all my riggers rig up all sorts of hydraulics and cables and things to lift him up. And then I thought, no, no, this is ridiculous. Buster Keaton did it in 1927. He had none of those things. So let's try and work out how he did it. So I watched it over and over and over again until I realised it was, it was sort of acting. He was placing his feet in a certain <laughs> way to get a launch. And that's exactly how we did it. And if you, see, it, if you, see, if you, if you see the shot in the opening of uh, The Amazing Spider-Man 2... That's how the, the car chase starts. Yeah, the, yeah. Car, the car, police cars all go by, and Spider-Man's on the side of the road talking to somebody. Walks out in the road and grabs a police truck. That's cool. And goes it? out, and we, I, I copied it absolutely frame by frame yep. as Buster Keaton did it. Mm. It was much more difficult for us to do it because it was a wide screen, and he's got to stay horizontal for yeah. even longer. But we looked at it over and over again, and it, I think anybody that can can do something and it makes it still lasts you know half a century later almost yeah. a century later it's worth uh, that's pretty special absolutely mm-hmm. totally agree well uh, Andy finally where um, where can people find you uh, is there anything you want to plug um, something you're working on yeah the TV you can series? find me at uh, andyarmstrong.com and you can also find me at, at uh, armstrongaction.com cool. and also yep. at uh, the movie movie makers uh, actionmoviemakershandbook.com Excellent, cool Snapchat, Instagram, Tinder uh, <laughs> I've, I've, I've got rid of most of the stuff now I have a load of a load of followers on um, on Twitter but I'm convinced that 75% of them are deranged or yeah. something yeah. wrong with them people, and, people, and, people, and, people, people are weird people are deranged yeah, I'm convinced everybody, everybody that follows me on Facebook is a, a serial killer <laughs> <laughs> there's a few out there right, yeah. it's, not, it's, a, <laughs> it's a serious issue we won't go to it now it's, it's uh, all those things that, I used to be a serial killer <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> then I got to the porn industry yeah getting to the porn yeah yeah. The there hasn't really? been a porn serial killer yet, has there? A serial killer? No, the period. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah. sorry. I'm throwing too many shit gags out here. Well, that was great. Yeah. But, awesome. Um, yeah. So I, yeah, I'm, I'm sort of weaning off all those, all those yeah, sites. No, I feel that it's good. Sure. It's much better. I deleted all mine. Yeah, it's like, got rid of all the social media. Mm. Well, now that Donald Trump's on them as well, it's, it's yeah, I yeah. yeah. valued it all really. Yeah. Yeah. Do the opposite. Yeah. Andy, that was great. Awesome, man. Cool. Thanks for for coming on the show, Andy. And that's a wrap. Alrighty, gang. Thanks for listening. Mm. If you are a first-time listener and you liked what you heard, make sure you uh, hit that subscribe button. <laughs> hit it hard. And, hit it uh, real hard. Hit it again. Hit it. Hit it. Hit it night after night. Oh, hit it. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> How um, would you say hit it hard in Espanol? Hit it hard. That's it. That's it. <laughs> 
started it off. Um, Hello. Um, uh, and then, if you're a multi-time listener, if this is your second, third, or 100th time listening mm-hmm. to the show, then mm-hmm. good stuff. Leave us a rating review, and if you've done that, then uh, as we say, either um, send uh, send some, <laughs> some nudes. send some nudes or yep. uh, send some send some money. I need yep. to send some cutty. <laughs> Don't send some cutty. Send, send some money. Send some cutty. <laughs> <laughs> send some money, send some nudes, send some cunty. <laughs> or uh, send some cunty money nudes. Send some cunty money nudes. That'd be great if you could send that. But genuinely, guys, we read... That was fucked. We genuinely, we genuinely read all of the, uh, the reviews and... Uh, we absolutely love them. We love all the, all the comments um, on our social medias. So, so please, please uh, send us your love. And uh, as Bill said, send us your cat. I didn't say that. I did not say that. Oh, shit. Oh, no. Oh, shit. That's atrocious. See you next week. Yeah, bye.